Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast. Welcome to Parade of Piffle from us before our path to the Premier League is polished off. We're going up and if we're sober enough to win one more game, we'll probably be champions again. Paddy Davitt from the Norwich Beat joins us to tune the promotion. Paddy, another season ends in success in Norwich up and down the country. Uh, but this one, a very different experience for you with, with no fans from start to finish. Yeah, although to be fair, Tom, obviously it's a bit of a continuation of a theme, really, given, you know, we had, I forget now, they all merged into oblivion, but uh, 10 or 11 games in that project restart era. So, you know, calendar-wise, you're talking probably about 13 months of football, um, which isn't football really, is it, in terms of, you know, no fans, bar those two or three pilot events. And, you know, I've, I've spoken about this recently, actually. I saw an interview with uh, Crystal Palace manager Roy Hodgson and, and he was talking about you actually get to a point if you're in his profession or the players or maybe even us in the media who are very privileged to be at these games, but it, it becomes like normal just to turn up at a ground and, you know, bar the bar the, the, the actual people who, are, who matter, uh, it, it just feels like... You know, we don't recall a time beforehand, which is incredibly sad. And 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 I, I can't even begin to imagine how you boys and, and, and Norwich fans and football fans in general feel having to sort of consume this season, particularly from afar. It's just um, you know, it's just that it's nothing we ever want to have to sort of deal with again. Hopefully, um, moving forward. Uh, but in terms of covering the games, yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, Tom Campbell said recently, didn't he, that. You know, it isn't the same. Um, you know, you don't get that buzz. Matt Tarrant said as well, you know, he would you, you'd do something, in his case, maybe, uh, you know, bombing down the wing and put a good ball in or put in a decent tackle and there's, that, there's no reaction whatsoever from the stadium. Um, it just, you know, it's, it, it's ultimately an exercise in, in trying to get back to the Premier League for me this season and, and given their due that they've managed to achieve it. And, all the more creditable that, you know, they didn't need, as they did maybe two seasons ago in the Championship, that groundswell inside Cairo to, you know, pick them up and carry them along when they needed it. Um, and that's a testament to, to this group of players and the coaching staff that, you know, even without the Cairo Road factor, if you want to call it that, they, they've still managed uh, thus far to be a cut above the rest. And, um, you know, ultimately when they do get back to a full house at Car Road, I think there is going to be a bit of symmetry because the last one, as we, as we all know, was, was Leicester City, that home win in the Premier League around about February, March time of last year. And as I say, subject to the, to the, the government's roadmap continuing to, to unlock us all, then the next full house will hopefully be next season in the Premier League. And, you know, it's it's just just ultimately um, about getting back to that point and, and hopefully fans being able to, to really experience this again and what it feels like to be, you know, in a stadium and, and feeling that adrenaline rush. You know, Daniel Farker, didn't he? He said the other day that, you know, for him, he's actually thought about some of the moments from the season, the, the Mario Vrancic free-kick winner against Wickham, you know, the the avalanche of goals against Huddersfield recently and, and even the game at Derby just recently where they, you know, they went to 90 points and effectively that's what's got them up into the Premier League. To, to not have fans at those games for him... Um, something's missing and something's been missing all season. And But as I say, in terms of purely covering the games, you do you do get into a mindset where it is the new normal and that's not a place any of us, media, players, coaches, or more importantly, fans want to be, do they? Yeah, I think you make a really good point, Pad, that we don't want 
we don't want it to, to to carry on like this. And and in terms of this season, I feel ever so blessed that we had the promotion and title winning season only two seasons ago. Because had we been you know stuck in um, stuck in mediocrity for a few seasons, and then finally we have a successful season and we've missed it. Um, so so I, I feel sorry for those clubs. You know, look at Barnsley for example, prime example. I mean. Um, to, to, for them to miss out on this unbelievable run that they've had um, and, and you know, be this close to the Premier League for the first time in, in what, what is it, 20 years since they dropped out of the Premier League? Um, I, I feel feel for those. I feel for those those clubs who are having a real moment that, that is way above normal. You know, we are spoilt for promotions around these parts. So, uh, you know, whilst, yes, I would have loved to have been there for, I mean, yeah, the Dow free kick would have gone absolutely bananas. Um, <laughs> you know, th- there's been some really great kind of a momentum swing style goals, like the early goal in the Bournemouth game, you know, scoring such a sublime goal so early in the game. You know, I I think that maybe the twelfth man might have might have got us at least a point in that game down to ten men. You know, I I, I also don't think we'd have had the after the Lord Mayor show performance the other night against Watford. I, I don't think you turn in a performance like that without the fans. I think maybe you create enough of an atmosphere to to turn to at least get back in the game and and not look as lost and maybe find that bit of energy that you know they lost at the bottom of a few bottles of San Miguel. Um, but what do you think, Punt? It's it's one of those things where we we can be relieved that at least we 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 saw this similar kind of season two years ago. Yeah, I th- there's something in that, but it is kind of tinged with with sadness and regret because I watched. I mean, as Paddy just touched on quite rightfully, I, I watched that Huddersfield game, and you know, first half we're five goals to the good. All five of those goals were phenomenal, either phenomenal strikes or wonderful team moves. Um, or, you know, contain both, I think, in, in you know, the case of Todd Cantwell's goal. And they were all up the Barkley. They were all, you know, kind of where I sit or or stand, you know, for for every game. And um, you just, you could almost taste what it would have felt like. You know, you could almost, um, you know, hear the supporters, you know, kind of oohs and ahs as, as the goals went in and that, you know, kind of turn into a, a mate almost in disbelief that, that we've just done that. Because, you know, you look at Buendia's goal that, that kind of, was from 25 yards. You look at Dow's goal where we, we almost walked into the net. I mean, these were proper special moments that you don't see at Carrow Road that often, or certainly, at, you know, for a man of my vintage that, that's been going since, you know, kind of the late 80s or mid mid to late 80s. 1780s. Yeah, yes, yeah, very good. Um, but you don't, you know, you don't see that very often. And as much as it's become commonplace recently, and, you know, and we're really fortunate to have two promotions and hopefully two temp- championship victories um, within the space of three seasons, you kind of still have to pinch yourself because it's it's not like this all the time for a club like Norwich City, which, you know, aspires currently to be a top 26 club. Um, and football is cyclical and there'll probably be a time where actually we'll be languishing at the bottom of the championship, you know, within the next decade. And and I hope that isn't the case. And I hope the legacy that that Stuart Webber, you know, kind of leaves, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto that in a bit. But um, you know, I, I hope that means that that we're a successful Premier League side for for many years to come. But you know, experience tells me that that there's not really anything like you know, kind of a, a settled and established Premier League team. And Norwich will always be looking over their shoulders, even if we are in the top flight. So these good times, you really have to you know savor them. And not being able to be in the ground it's it's just been a really weird one this season like a properly weird one and one that you know 
almost I'll, I'll just be glad it's over because we'll be back at Carrow Road hopefully come August Touchwood. Yeah, there was a, um, an interesting moment uh, this week when uh, Norwich lost against uh, uh, Bournemouth, um, and the next morning, uh, my 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 eldest is uh, far more aware this season than he has been any season previously to results. And the look on his face when I said, "Yeah, Norwich lost last night," you know, it was a real look of really. It's not something that Norwich do, is it? And I and I said to him, "You you wait, son. <laughs> you wait for a few months. You'll, you'll soon get used to that feeling." Um, but yeah, I don't want to spend too long on on the, the two games that have happened since we last last potted. Um, because realistically, it, it, the the job was done, and and the the only thing that matters at the start of August is that we're in the right division. Uh, it doesn't matter where you finish; you all start on zero points. Um, you've all got the pull of the Premier League, and they're not going to have any more or less money, you know, realistically, um, to to a, to a large enough factor whether or not they finish first or second. It would be wonderful to win the title. I still think we will. Um, and, and those two games, really, again, I mentioned not having the fans. I think that made a difference, particularly in the Watford game. Um, but but it's still in their hands, Pad, and, and we were having a quick chat before we hit record this evening. And if, I personally think that just like the um, just like the the Huddersfield game, um, you I, I fear in a way for QPR. I know they're in a decent bit of form, but I think they could it could be backlash City on on Saturday. What do you think? Yeah, well, I hope so. Um, I mean, they've had. Two excellent wins this week. I just had a look at the results before before we we went to record, and and you know wins at Middlesbrough, I think, and Swansea last night. Um, you have to respect that, and I think they had three wins on the spin at Loftus Road as well. So um, there was a little bit a bit of an interesting one around their manager earlier today. I see they had to put a statement out on their official site, Mark Warburton, just sort of distancing himself from possibly a technical role role at the FA. Now, in my experience, you know when you start seeing stories like that, there's usually some substance to them. It might not be sufficiently far down the line um, that, that he's, he's about to leave and, and QPR maybe reflecting that in their statement. But if there is that in the background, then yeah, you know, I mean, what I would say is that I, I thought at Cairo, they, they really did give Norwich a tough game. And that might have been actually, you know, to pick up the thread of what you boys were just saying there, that might have been a night where, you know, Norwich would have needed their fans because they, they, they got their noses in front, but but QPR just kept plugging away, plugging away. And, and in that second half, you could have just sensed that there was a full house at Car Road driving City on. That They might have got second and that would have been the game. But as it was, obviously, QPR equalised late on. And I think they had a great chance from memory to possibly win that game. So um, I don't see this as an easy assignment, but I do, yeah, I would agree, Tom. I think after the Bournemouth game and the Watford game now, for various reasons, it hasn't quite been the Norwich that we've become accustomed to like like your your boy actually you know wins 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 up to that point for the majority of the season i think there'll be i think there's enough distance now for the rest of this week just as a group at colney right put all that hullabaloo to one side promotion's done we've celebrated it um we had to go again and, and for various reasons they didn't look like they had too much in the tank for me on on tuesday night but no excuses now they go i mean really realistically if you had before a ball was kicked at Huddersfield to start this season, if you'd have basically offered Norwich internally and I would imagine externally as well, beat QPR, beat Reading, and you're 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 not only just going up, you're going up as, as champions. I think you'd have took that. You know that they're not they're not Reading. Okay, have had a very decent season, but I still think Reading at Carrow Road, with or without fans, you know that that should be a win really. And and, and then that makes Barnsley for me um, just a party central really albeit uh, from a distance for, for Norwich fans on the final weekend but um, and I think they'll need to, I think they probably will need two wins from three now because 
Uh, you know, Watford have got Millwall um, and then they've got Brentford and Swansea. Um, well, we're recording just after Bournemouth have won again uh, earlier this evening and won well. Um, so, you know, I don't see Brentford and, and Swansea uh, having much more than, you know, a playoff place to play for. And and, and are they going to be really fully at it um, against Watford? I, I don't see it. So, for me, I think Watford pick up nine points from their remaining three games. And if so, then Norwich probably need five plus from, from their remaining three. So, more than capable of doing it. And, yeah, I wouldn't disagree, Tom. I think we will see the real Norwich at Loftus Road on Saturday. I think if you look at the the, the Watford players, I, I see what you're saying about, about that, but, but actually it is such a cognitive sigh of relief, not just a physical one when you do get over the line. And, and Watford having to, you know, they've been kept honest another couple of games than Norwich were. Um, and you know what if they it looks like it you know is it's perfectly possible that they will will wrap it up against Millwall and then you actually have a you actually have three teams in in Swansea Brentford and Watford who who um maybe can't actually improve their position too much um especially if Bournemouth hold their form and, and so therefore you might end up with a bit of an odd result where actually Watford you know don't quite manage to do it and they, they do I can easily see him drawing one of those two games easily I mean you know Swansea and Brentford are good teams um, and also they'll want a bit of momentum going into the playoffs that's important they won't want to you know they'll they'll want to be playing playing de- decent players you know something you said earlier about you know Barnsley not necessarily wanting to have their, their full strength team I, I think they will I, I I don't think you risk I don't think you risk um mucking about with your formation knowing what we were like obviously in, in the games just before we've been in the playoffs as well um, so I, I don't think Watford will, will, will get nine points because they purely just don't need it and that is just such a difference from being in this full-on sprint for promotion to all of a sudden it's done and and also especially if Norwich win on Saturday as well the, the gap will remain five points Watford won't probably expect to catch them and that also will play a difference. So so I think one win is probably going to be enough for us in, in the end and, and we'll probably will pick up at least a couple of draws in the last couple of games. Um, and, you know, there's there's a very real chance that, that Reading, by the time we play them, will be almost mathematically disqualified anyway. So So we may well be playing a very, very deflated team who had one of, you know, almost a record-breaking start to the to the season um, and they're not even going to make the playoffs. Um, so I mean they're currently drawing with with um, drawing nil nil and, and and not going well t- tonight. So um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. But uh, the the one thing that I think everyone needs to remember is is we 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 genuinely had one one goal and that was to get back to the top table. We've done it. Um, we we I think you can afford to write off. Uh, you know, it really it's only really one game because that Bournemouth. Let's have it right. The first eighteen minutes of Bournemouth, we played them off the park or at home to Bournemouth. We, we looked superb. Um, and you know the red card changed the game, and a few other things didn't go away either. So, really, it's only the one game where it was a proper no show. And and you know we, we saw how hard they celebrated. It's not it's not that not that surprising. Um, so so punt. Is there any just to to kind of round round off this kind of review of these these specific games? Is there anything that you think um, Paddy and I haven't covered with regards to how the, the last two or three could play out? In terms of the remaining games, yeah. Um, I think I I was kind of you've. For once, Mr. Parsley, you, you might have talked me around because I was kind of in Paddy's camp that I think, I still think maybe that Watford will win all three of them. Um, but at the same time, I think you're quite right that if Norwich go and win on Saturday, that actually psychologically, maybe they, they could drop off off the back of that. You, know, you mentioned points behind with six points to play for. Yeah, and I, then I think you, maybe you do drop off. However, 
Um, I'd also I'd also say actually that they're three tough games. Millwall have have been really respectable against the top sides this season, so that is a that's a difficult game for them first up. And of course, if they drop points in that first game, then you know hopefully we go and win and, and it's it's written off anyway. Um, just going back to to the Bournemouth and the Watford games as well. There's easy mitigation for Farker, but there's also easy motivation for him in terms of, you know, getting them up for Saturday. You know, he mentioned he was keen to distance the the club from, or you know, the the playing staff from maybe you know, kind of over exertions on um, the celebrations, and, and actually said, look, it's more to do with the fact that. Um, you know, they they'd had to play seventy minutes with ten men, and I think there's something in that. There's also something in the fact that they pretty much got you know kind of blasted on on Saturday night. There's um you know, and there's also something in the fact that that maybe they didn't have enough preparation time for you know a side like Watford who were gunning for promotion. So with the benefit of hindsight, maybe they'd have they'd have done things differently. Um, but at the same time, it does now give Daniel Farker perfect ammunition to get his squad in in tip top shape. And he's always you know, or I say always, he's traditionally been quite good at that you know when in the face of adversity in the championship he's he's pretty much always been able to turn it around so I'd expect a result against QPR um and then we'll we'll see where we go but you know look be be under you know kind of no illusions I think we'll do it I think we'll get the two wins and, and it'll all be um you know academic anyway um but it just it would be nice to get it done sooner rather than later Moving on to um, looking at what we're going to do going forward, um, we've had we've had a few uh, listeners' questions that have touched on um, kind of some similar points, um, but but one of the things I think it's worth talking about is, is just some some initial thoughts on um, on that squad. I mean, you mentioned getting the squad bang up for it. Um, is there anyone that you think, Paddy, that we can already start to look at as a um, as a potential casualty of, of of going up, is there anyone that you you already think is on the the pr- periphery? Obviously, we can we can tick off Quintia because he hasn't he hasn't met he's not going to meet his quota, is he? To to to, to signal a deal. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you, you start from out to in, don't you? You look at the fr- the fringe elements, the guys who either aren't in the building um, right now, the Tim Closers of this world, Philip Heisers. Um, no, I don't think we'll be we'll be seeing them beyond the summer. Uh, there's a bit of contractual work to do with those guys, but but they're not part of the plans. Um, they'd love to get Leitner, they'd love to get Tribal out the door, Josip Dermic. If they're, if they're not part of the plans in the Championship, they're certainly not going to be part of the plans in the Premier League. So um, there's five players straight away I can think of. And then, you know, then we're moving into maybe guys who are still here but not really featured. And obviously the two... One, the two names that spring immediately to mind because of their contractual status is is Alex Tete and, and and Mario Mario Vrancic, both currently in the last well weeks really of their of their current deals, um, and you know it looks it looks um, yet to be confirmed, but it looks to me like that there probably won't be any further deals for either of those players um, because you know Weber and Farker aren't particularly big on sentiment, are they? As was shown, albeit. They still stayed because they were under contract, but but Leitner and Tribal were cut adrift in terms of the footballing usefulness of them for the, for this current campaign. So Alex Tate in the Premier League, not seeing it. We haven't really seen too much of him um, other than cheerleading from the side this season, but what a magnificent servant. And if he does go, hopefully, um, as much as they can in the current times, but his, his achievements are recognised and marked uh, in an appropriate manner. And Mario, I think, you know, I could, see, I, I could foresee a... An extension for him, but as Daniel has, has often told us, you know he's not getting any younger, um, and and that's only going to accelerate now when you're the wrong side of thirty. And and I think if you're Mario, 
it's a difficult one because do do you feel well? I quite I'd quite like the kudos and the status that comes with being back in the Premier League. Um, but if you're not going to really play a huge amount of football at his age, is there one more move for him in terms of the a the financial aspect of it, but b maybe more importantly, actually playing regular games? I mean, he said quite openly that there was an interest last summer. Um, I think from the Bundesliga, it was quite an open secret, and uh, you know, would he see maybe his his, his career? Heading back down towards Germany, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I just don't see, in terms of this, and we hear it often from Farker and to a lesser extent Weber, but this mid to long term planning and 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 trying to move every aspect of that club forward on the pitch, off the pitch at Colney, um, the 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 financial side of it, it doesn't really fit to me to be offering guys like Mario Vrancic and Alex Tetti new deals. So to be confirmed, but. Uh, I think if I had a pound, I'd be putting it on those two not being here next season. So there's, there's seven I've reeled off straight away, and, and we've not even got really into the guys who, who have you know actually been key figures, and ultimately there'll be players there who Norwich would probably would like to keep, but will they be here? I mean, Max Aarons is the one I think I, I just see the planets possibly aligning this summer as they did with Ben Godfrey before him, Jamal last summer, and then a. Prior to James Madison, I just, I just think there comes a point. You, you see how Weber talks about this natural break point when a when a, a very good young player maybe outgrows a club, or, or whether the money is right and there's the actual offer on the table, as opposed to this endless speculation we have to to wade through seemingly every every transfer window. It it just you just you do get a sense when you, you you're close enough to these things and you've seen them play out before, particularly with the younger players that. I think this could be the end of Max's time at Norwich and I'm sure he would go with the blessing of every Norwich fan because, you know, he probably could have gone last summer, but he stayed and, and he's he's guided Norwich back or he's played his part in guiding them back. So he, he can go hopefully on to, you know, bigger and better things. And that's no disrespect to Norwich, but there's a guy who has a career at the very, very highest level ahead of him if he if he continues on the development path he's on. Um and then, of course, Buendia and Campbell, you know, will we'll probably be endless speculation around those two. I think there's there's less, for me, um, less chance, I think, of those two going. If, 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 you, if you put me on the spot and of the three crown jewels, we want to label Max, I would put out in front all day long. The other two, I could see scenarios, despite all the, the links, particularly with Arsenal, with Buendia, I could just see a scenario where, you know, because ultimately Weber as the guy who's driving the recruitment, they have to get the balance right this this summer. You know, it's it, what message is that sending to, to your fan base to to actually sell those three? They don't need to from a financial point of view, even with the pandemic hole, they've made it quite clear that isn't going to be an imperative this summer in the transfer window. So if you're letting those lads go, you're going to have to spend big money to try and replace them with like-for-like like quality. So there will have to be a very delicate balance performed, I think, with with the, the prized assets um, because I don't think you could go into a, a Premier League season without Cantwell, Buendia and Aarons and, and really talk in terms of, as they are starting to now quite openly, that it won't be a miracle required this time. It, it's it's a bit more hopeful that they can you know really give it a good good effort at staying up this, this coming season. So to do that, you're going to need players like Cantwell and Buendia. So that, that's an intriguing aspect of what could happen this summer. And then, you know, if, if, if I just final point in terms of what they'd be looking for, I think straight through the spine of the side, it's quite clear. You know, they got linked with a centre back earlier today, a Norwegian guy at Celtic. They definitely will need to do a centre back um, 
Ollie Skip, if he doesn't come back, then a centre mid, particularly if you're losing Vrancic and Tete. And then top end of the pitch, they've already been linked with with the guy scoring a bag full of goals in the Dutch Eredivisie, Jakamakis, I think his name is, at Venlo. That's the type of striker deal I think they could probably look to do. Um, because as was proven two seasons ago, you cannot rely on Timu Puki to, to basically carry the burden on his own. It's it's too much to ask, particularly as that man will be coming off the back of the Euros with Finland. That's a hell of a block of football he's played before we kick off again in the Premier League. He will need quality assistance rather than, with the greatest respect, you know, maybe a Jordan Hugel or even an Adam Eder who's completely unproven. So for me, inward, I think they'll be looking at those three areas right down the spine of the side. Yeah, I think you're you're completely right that this is going to be a uh, a summer of real change. Maybe maybe more so than we've been used to in in the last three or four years. Really, um, rather than kind of doing a bit of pruning around the edges, actually, as you've mentioned, there's a, because of the contractual situation and the age situation, we might be seeing five, six, seven go in the next few weeks, um, or at least basically it being announced that look, you're free to find another club. You know, see it, see you later. Um, with Teti, you would feel that there will definitely be some kind of tetimonial um, that that will take place, um, and you know, testimonial, not tetimonial, whatever. But 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 the point is, I, I you know, I, I think um, you know, Russ got one at, at nine years, um, although it was it was joint with the Westimonial, um, so I, I, I can't can't see why they wouldn't do that. He's been such a huge huge figure for the for the club, and I think you're right. Whilst whilst I would give him a contract, I also aren't running a hundred million pound business, and and there's a there's a reason for that. So, um, yeah, they're not the sentimental types to to. to to keep Alex on as a, uh, as a as a cheerleader, as you put it, um, on the down the spine of the team, I think that that this could be the summer that Steepy goes as well. Um, he, he hasn't been mentioned, but I I can't see him getting a look in next year because I think you've got to you've got to strengthen in that front three line. Um, Prochetta's not making the step up to the Premier League, um, uh, and so I can see him being loaned back. Um, somewhere um, where he might he might be able to perform and get minutes. Um, I think O'Neill's fitness issues, constant injury niggles means that um, yeah, and also the fact he didn't exactly tear it up last time in the Premier League. I think we might be in for for for, for a wide player as well, um, especially if there's someone versatile enough to play either side of the front three. Um, and I think there will be an element of wanting to have an insurance policy should there be a, a last-minute Emmy or Todd departure. They won't want to leave themselves in a situation where there's a godfather offer in the third week of August when we've already played a couple of games. And actually, we just think that we have to take the money. It's just too good an offer for Emmy, for example, and not have you know be left kind of short. Um, completely agree with the, with the two centre-backs. I think Zimmerman, likewise, m- might see his future away from Carrow um, again, injuries, getting older, not really featured. Not sure he would have featured his first choice anyway. Gibson's contract meaning that he's going to be there. I mean, it's everywhere you look. Really, there's 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 going to be big changes to the team, um, and 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 who kind of stays. Um, I think obviously you started with with two big two big favourites of John. I mean, how how do you feel, John, looking into a, a season where you know uh, Mario and and Teti are no longer. Uh, eye candy for you on a Saturday. Well, it's the Premier League, so Tuesday morning, <laughs> Sunday, nice, Sunday nicely night. Put. Nicely put. Mario's the eye candy. Tets is is just he's my boy. Um, I feel really disappointed that we're not going to be able to say goodbye properly to Alex Tetty. Um, he's been such a wonderful servant for this football club and and been involved in in so many 
amazing moments you know uh, and also some pretty shit ones but let's be honest as well you know he's been part of quite a few relegations but at the same time you know this that man's smile and and his character and and just his ability as well you know i mean let's look at it and, and say look he's nearly played 250 games for, for norwich city football club I, th- I think he's made the most appearances um you know kind of as a, an overseas player uh, for the club which is quite an achievement as well so to not be able to mark him, I know you're saying, you know, there might be some kind of testimonial, but actually I wouldn't be surprised if if Teddy is is after a move and, you know, and, and maybe gets one back to, I think he, he maybe thinks he's got one more year um, and, you know, might end up back in Norway and, um, you know, maybe just, just play out his, his days, which would be a real shame because, as I say, you know, it, it feels like he's got such an affinity with a large proportion of, of the Norwich City fan base that, that you want to be able to say goodbye properly. Mario, I, I can reconcile it a bit more. You know, he's been a bit part player. He's still got two or three more years, I think, in him, you know, at a fairly decent level, especially given the fact that he doesn't really rely on his, his pace or athleticism. You know, it's, it's more the fact that, you know, he's, he's just really he's good looking. Pick a pass. <laughs> he's just, well, he's really good looking. And, he just and relies also on the fact that he looks amazing. So he's quite know. good at passing a football as well. Um, you know, I agree. If, if he went if he if he went into a, a, a team of, of, you know, either Bundesliga or... Um, or maybe even in Spain, so somewhere where where yeah, the tempo, where the pace is, is less, yeah the, yeah, the pace is less, and also he's got a whippersnapper like a skip or someone beside him. Yeah. Um, you, you could easily see him running running the show on on set pieces for the next two two years. And, yeah. and, and I think uh, Paddy makes a great point. It, it, would would he have the same chance of getting anywhere near the same deal as he could get if he went this this summer? You know, he, he's going to be. I think he's only going to be losing brownie points in in you know, over the next twelve months. He's, I completely agree, and there is an alternative universe where. Kenny McLean perhaps isn't in the form of his life and Mario maybe gets a chance, you know, kind of in the more defensively minded midfield role this season. And actually, as you say, with someone like Ollie Skip next to him, could he have really, you know, kind of been the quarterback, which, you know, might have controlled games as well. You know, that would have been, that's not something that we, I don't think we ever really got to see properly is Skip and Rancic playing together. And I think that that had loads of potential, but as soon as McLean came in and, and showed you know all that energy and all that industry then um you know there was no way that you were removing those two from the team sheet and and that's fair enough I, I agree with you Tom on um on Zimmerman I think there's going to need to be conversations with him to say look are you happy being possibly well probably fourth choice centre-back because I think they're going to want to look and look at that situation and and bring someone in and even if they don't the emergence of of you know Omobama Deli and you know F- F- Akin Fumewo, I think has had a pretty good loan at Charlton prior to injury as well. You know, there's there's young blood coming through, which which might usurp him. Um, so centre back is certainly a position where I think there's there's going to be a little bit of churn. Um, and it, but like you say, it's it's going to be all over the pitch. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be as many as maybe you're suggesting, Tom. I think that the there is a need for an element of stability, but at the same time, all over the park, there's there's going to be um, minor tweaks. I, for me, it's just it's around the fact that. We probably need to do a Leeds um, in so much as we sign two, three, four players that really add some star quality um, to play with the likes of Buendia, Campwell and, and Pookie and Gibson and Hanley, who, you know, are, are absolute standout players. Um, that's what we need to bolt on really now to to make sure that we can stay up next season. You talk about stability. I don't think any of the names that Paddy and I just reeled off are would affect the stability because the point no, is we, we are talking think, about sorry, lads and, and who, that, who aren't who, who aren't who haven't really been the what they've been a huge part of the overall picture 
but if you took any of them out we wouldn't necessarily not now be going up yeah and so and i should have caveated that with its dressing room stability and and i think that's for someone like zimmerman for someone like tetty you know clearly they are you know captains in waiting if if someone like grant hanley is is injured and they're part of the you know the starting lineup so it's more about that it's the dressing room stability and, and the dynamic shifts because you know we've got a few senior players, but we haven't got loads of senior players at the club, you know, who've, who've been here for a while. Um, so I just think they might look at that situation and they will try and retain a little bit of that. Not all of it, because you just can't, you know, there is no room for sentimentality, but they will be aware of that. Um, it's, it's fair. It's fair. However, again, if you look at the, 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 the spine of the team that you have now, from a leadership point of view, you have, you've got both got Hanley and Gibson um, and cruel, so you've got three. You know, but may, maybe one, two, three in terms of where, who would the armband go to if someone was injured or, or not available. Um, Pookie leads by example with regards to his work ethic. So, so you you do already have some some good leaders in in that dressing room. I um, I think we're we're fortunate that that some of our better players are younger. Um, I would um, I, I am going to be probably. Uh, making some crazy predictions for, for player of the season next year when we come around to doing our, our preview. Um, and I I don't think I've ever been as as chuffed to be proved right as I was on when I was standing for, for Kenny McLean when he was taking some criticism earlier in the season. Because he, he, I just, I've always thought his ceiling is that much higher than, than any of the other surrounding cast. Yes, he can't hit a free kick like Mario, but he can do six or seven other factors of the game way better than Mario can on Mario's best day. Um, and, you know, he, he it was funny watching him play Pist on Tuesday night, but he, he, uh, he still had one of the few players on Tuesday who actually had seemed to have the engine. And yeah, he was misplacing passes because he was seeing four or five players instead of one. But it was, it was I think he showed in that, in that performance that he he still got he still got the engine and in the in a premier league with the pace and the movement in front of our back four if we can't have skip then we at the very least need to have kenny in there alongside whoever it's going to be we said similar going up last year and obviously um we ended up you know the the, the guy that we bought to to be that new that new tetty if you like uh, ended up playing center back and and di- didn't end up you know staying um but uh that I think we it's, it's very similar to where we were at two 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 seasons ago. If we can't get the skip deal done, and I don't think we expect to, um, unless you would say differently, Paddy. Well, I think if he's Daniel Farker, he'd love to do that deal. Now, Weber and their chief scout are very tight. Steve Hitchens, I think his name is. He's he's been at Carrow a few times this season, so uh, they, there is a good relationship. I thought Daniel was spot on when. He was asked the other day, did Josie Mourinho's departure scupper the chances? And as he said, well, it wasn't – he had a four-hour phone call with, with Jose and, and then Oliver Skip was on his way. It was more of a club-to-club decision. So I'd, I'd be re- reasonably optimistic, but then the great curveball is now that, that who replaces Josie Mourinho? It's not going to be Ryan Mason moving forward and, and whoever the new head coach slash manager is at top of my point. I'm sure he will want to have a proper look at Ollie Skip and, and he might have a different opinion in terms of his readiness to, to be in and around Tottenham's first team. Obviously, we're talking about ins and outs for Norwich. So they might be ins and outs at Tottenham and that could then alter Ollie Skip's status within the Tottenham first team squad. So I think it's just too early at this stage. There's too many um, variables until we see you know, what route Tottenham are going. Um, and the problem for Norwich with that scenario is, of course, 
as you said a bit earlier, Tom, you know, what if there's a late bid in, in the window um, and the disruption that would cause to Norwich if it was one of their players? But by the same token, I don't think you, if you're Weber and Farkett, you can plan for potentially Oli Skip to return at the 11th hour. That, that'd be too big a gamble. So I think... I think they're probably going to have to go in a different direction. But if it if it was purely down to football, um, then Daniel Farker would have him in a heartbeat because you look at the amount of minutes the guy has played. He's um you know he's top of the shop really. Him and Max Aaron's in terms of championship performances this season, and uh, you know he, he uh, we might come on to it in the end. He, he won't probably get the Player of the Year, I don't think. It, um, but I think he has been an absolutely integral part of the constituent parts that have made up overall Norwich returning to the Premier League at the first attempt, what he has brought to that position of the pitch, which was a problem area for the, for Norwich in the Premier League, certainly, um, has just transformed, I think, what could have been a far bumpier ride this season into you know, title or no title, which has been a, ultimately a fairly serene passage once they you know clicked into gear and, and never looked back sort of around about Game game day eleven, I think. I think they went top around then, and and only briefly were displaced by Brentford, weren't they? So, yeah. Ollie Skip, fantastic player, but sadly, I think uh, we, we might savour him while we can over these remaining three games. Well, I, th- I think what that you're completely right. What they'd have to do is they'd have to set a cut off. That you know, effectively, yeah. depending on how quickly. Um, maybe they're helped by the fact that Jose's gone already, which means, you know, it might not be a summer appointment. There might be an appointment in the next two, three weeks, meaning that, um, well, these guys often have it lined up already, don't they? But um, it may well be that, you know, straight after the end of the season, it's announced and therefore plans can can be taken place. But maybe they basically say, look, if we don't know by the 5th of June, you know, whether or not we can have him, then we, we need to turn the page because, like you say, you, you can't be waiting on it. You can't be waiting on them moving on at the midfielder or waiting for a midfielder to come in to, to get the nod because that leaves you too short. And I think it's his... It's the chance reduction. It's the number of moves he snuffs out the ball before the ball. You know, it, yeah. it's the, the assist to the assist, which isn't happening now. Um, and and we're not undone. And and Hanley and Gibson have had a fantastic season. Um, and Ahmed Bamadani's been fantastic in the last few games. But they, they haven't faced players just running, bearing down on them that we saw so many times in the Premier League um, when, when the best defenders in the world struggle on that that rapid lightning Premier League forward running at you one-on-one. Skip has done such a good job of, of stopping that. And obviously, you know, Kenny deserves a lot of credit as well alongside him. But Skip just seems to, to read that, like I say, the pass before the pass. He seems to get that. It's prediction time. And uh, Punt, I'll come to you first. What What do you think? Player of the season from three to one, who do you think is going to be lifting the Barry Butler? Um, I think, oh God, this is so tough in terms of one and two. I think three, if I'm going for third, then then it is the the recently just talked about Ollie Skip. He's been phenomenal. He's, you know, for all the reasons that you've just outlined, I don't think we've had as good a defensive midfielder at this football club for, for some, some time. Um, second, and then it's a toss-up between Hanley and, and Emi Buendia. And to me, there's no competition. Uh, it's Emi Buendia because he's your X-factor player. And I think if you took Grant Hanley out of this side, I was having this conversation with someone the other day, if you took Grant Hanley out of this side, I think Norwich c- could well still be top of the tree. I think if you take Emi Buendia out of this side, and I've said it on this podcast before, there's no way Norwich City are top of the league. I, I just don't think you can replace you know, his... Well, his assists, his goals, but just the magic that that he brings that is in his boots, that you know, the potential that he still has as well in terms to grow is 
ridiculous. And, you know, we've said it several times on this podcast, probably in terms of pure talent, the best that has played for Norwich City in my lifetime. Um, so it would be a travesty if he didn't win it this season. Paddy, do you think uh, Tim Krull might edge out Skip? Have, what with Skip being may, maybe having his votes uh, adjusted for for the Tottenham influence? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm quite interested how they how they do weed out the. Uh, I'm trying to think what the Tottenham postcode would be in uh, North London, but uh, they assure me they will they will be able to do that. So we'll see because um, I, I basically concur with John there. I think that that would be my three two one with maybe an honourable mention to Timu Puki, but. He, about time he let somebody else win a few awards, so I think we'd take him out of the equation. Um, and wouldn't wouldn't disagree about Wendy as well. I, th- I think he he is the stardust on this side. Campwell to a lesser degree, but uh, it is quite often the Emmy Wendy show. I mean, even you know Tuesday night against Watford, where as Daniel Farkarati said, it was a very average Norwich performance. Um, you could apply that to to him by his high standards. There was still in any game. Whether Norwich win, lose, or draw, there's always one or two moments where you just think that is a special player, far too good for the championship. And you know, like we talked a little bit earlier with Max, um, he looks to have everything in his locker um, to go really high. I mean, I he did a little interview there with the Times, I think, there in the last week, and you know, he's openly talking about he wants to play in the Champions League, he wants to you know win the Champions League, he wants to play for Argentina. That that's very lofty ambitions, but. You know anybody's been blessed to watch him in a Norwich show over these last two or three seasons. If he if he can get the right move in terms of the right club for him, the right fit, then you know as we've seen with Madison, the sky the sky is the limit. And uh, what a great story that would be. You know, and, and again, what a feather in the cap of Weber and his recruitment team to pluck that guy out of you know essentially a third tier of Spanish football, um, bring him to England, and then watch him fly. It's a great story. Yeah, I, I think both both Aaron's and um, and and Emmy, their next clubs will be playing Champions League football. I I cannot see why either of them now Norwich are back in the Premier League. I cannot see why either of them would um, would move without that because if you if you go to someone who is just beneath that, you know, a mid tier top top table team, then you, you're you're relying on being part of a second project. If you know what I mean, you know, another team that's on 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 the up. Whereas, um, and, and that might be why it comes for, for Max this summer, but doesn't come for Emmy this summer, if you see what I mean. It might be that actually the very, he might need to do another half a season wowing global audiences in the Premier League um, to get that really, really big Champions League club, you know, established Champions League club offer. Whereas I, th- I think, you know, that there are very few teams that, that Max wouldn't be a first, if not regular squad rotation right back for in the Champions League at the moment. Um uh, I I I really really struggle to 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 finalise it down to a three. Um, I mean, it's absolutely bonkers that Pookie could miss out on all three places. You know, it just shows what a collaborative season this has been. That someone who scored that many goals is not going to be between one to three. Be interested to see if that's ever happened. Someone scored more than twenty league goals a season and not even been in the top three of a of a poll. Um, I, I've got a feeling that goals do sway these things, and so he, he probably will make an appearance on the poll. But I, I, I've got to say that Cruel has kept us in games when we've been slightly, you know, lackadaisical and maybe switched off a little bit. And when we haven't put teams away, and it's it's only been one nil, there's been a few big saves that he has made, um, and and I, I think he's been superb this season, so consistent. Um, saw an interesting stat. I think it was Lorne that, that that shared it. Um, 
uh, in terms of like the quality of his saves and the difficulty of his saves this season. Um, I might be playing Lordy and Matthew compliment and it might be someone else, but um, no, so for me, I will just, I will just edge out skip and go and go cruel Hanley Emmy, but, but only because skip is, is, is temporary. He's, he's been, he's been probably the most consistent defensive midfield performance in a, across the season that I've seen for Norwich. Um, but, yeah, I, I soft spot for Cruel in terms of how much I feel that the Norwich fans have been on the pitch through him this season, and and so I, so I add him in there as a as, as the third place. We've had our flags flying and uh, atop the, the city hall, and, and also I was able to write that rather uh, loving uh, message to Tim Cruel to tell him how I, I feel he. He really does represent our spirit on the pitch. So, so punt, just in case anyone's been under a rock, what was it we were able to put together and send to the players this week? Well, it was it was all a bit surreal and actually all a bit last minute as well. So, doesn't sound like we've us. Been, yeah, I mean, it absolutely sounds like us. But actually, this to an extent, we'd been weeks in the in the planning, but for something else. So, for for anyone that you know doesn't know what we do at Carrow Road, and I'm sure most people listening to this podcast do, but you know we um. We enjoy, you know, producing flags and banners, which are are going to make sure that Carrow Road is a, a much more vibrant and, you know, and yellow and green place. Um, and we wanted to make sure that actually when the players came into training the first session after um, they'd seal promotion, that there was a thank you from the fans. So the, the infancy of the idea was that we would probably try and get a couple of big banners and, and put them up at the training centre, either on the gates or, you know, on the, if anyone's, you know, kind of driven in there recently, you'll see there's the big Lotus signs, maybe, you know, try and put it there. Um, and for whatever reason, I mean, the gates are quite small, so we probably couldn't get the banner that, that we wanted to. And actually, logistically, it would have been a bit tricky and the players might have just walked past it and gone, oh, that's nice. But actually, you know, what does that mean? So we started to look at, alternative ways that that we could thank the players and Dave from Barclay and Norwich actually floated an idea when we were um, looking at Project Restart and and just we were looking to convey a message to the players to say look we're not here but we're with you and we talked about personalised messages that that would have sat for the first game back would have sat um, on their changing station when they came into the dressing room and for whatever reason it didn't happen but Ben Tunnel at the club um, actually revisited that idea and put it forward and said, look, you know, how about we do that? Um, and then it just kind of snowballed off the back of that. And and actually, it was such an amazing team effort to to pull that all together. You know, we've got Ben Stokes. I'm going to miss, miss someone here, by the way. But, you know, Ben Stokes was, you know, kind of clearly is a graphic design genius and put together all the imagery and, you know, and, and copy and pasted all the, you know, our text in. But then there was... I must be getting on for kind of 12, 15 people that that contributed to, to all of those personal messages. You, you know, our friend Maddie, Nick Hayhoe, Dave from Barclay and Norwich, Lorne did some, Tom, as you've said, you know, you did, you know, kind of Tim Krull and a few of the execs as well. Um, Mark from Along Come Norwich, Rich from Along Come Norwich. I did a few. Um, Dan Brigham got involved. Adam Brandon got involved. Zoe Morgan got involved. Matthew McGregor. So there was, you know, people who, um, you know, in terms of their writing as well, you know, it's really high caliber stuff and, and it was all really well put together. And it was just, yeah, it it was all seamless. The the guys at Page Brothers kind of got it turned around for us really quickly, delivered it to to the Lotus Training Center for us, and um, and it was there on Monday, which was was lovely. And and then we saw the picture with um. Timu reading his and it you know from what we hear it was um 
it was very well received by the playing staff because it's we're in such weird times. I mean, no one really knows how to to mark this or to get over the sentiments that we want to, you know, kind of send to the players. Um, you know, we'd have been able to do that in stadium before, but there's there's just no way. And then, you know, so that was brilliant. Um, and then, as you say, weirdly enough, I got a phone call on Tuesday, I want to say, um, from maybe Monday, from someone at City Hall saying, oh, we need a really big flag to to go on top of City Hall. And we've been told that you've got lots of big flags, um, which, of course, we have. And um, yeah, if you walk past City Hall in the city centre at the moment, there is a big um, Catalan-inspired Norwich City flag on top of City Hall, which is totally bizarre, but brilliant. So um, yeah, and as as you've maybe teased as well, Tom, um, that probably won't be the end of cool things that will happen for a long-term Norwich this week. But So um, I think if people stay glued to their socials, they might see something else. We have had some fantastic listener questions exclusively for Paddy Davitt's incredible brain. Why don't you? Um, <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Why don't you read them out to the uh, the connoisseur of Coventry and see what he's got to say? We well, we've had we've actually covered quite a lot of them because people are interested, probably in in Paddy's insights, you know, in and around the squad and and the comings and goings over the summer. So I'll, I'll try and cherry pick the first that I've got is from. Phil, the dice mechanic on Twitter, and he asks, this is specifically you for, for you, Pad, but we can chip in if, if you struggle. I'm sure you won't. But who's the best player to play for both Coventry and Norwich? <laughs> oh, dear. And there's quite quite a few that you could pick it's from. Definitely not, it's definitely not Kevin Drinkle. Oh, no, that's sacrilege <laughs> around here. Because he was brilliant. He was, wasn't he? But he was absolutely useless when he arrived at Colfer. I think the thick end of about eight hundred thousand, which in those days was a lot of money. Let me tell you. But uh, doesn't happen for some some clubs and some moves, does it? So we'll move on from him. Rosario, uh, yeah, he was okay at Cov, but I'm not sure how he's remembered by Norwich fans. He scored that unbelievable goal, didn't he? Was it Southampton? Yeah. That he was okay. Yeah, here. Um, he never really hit the heights at Norwich, but he is. He yeah. is very I think well he, was, he was. I think he was. Yeah, I remember him for the the the, the, the chances he missed. He seemed to be a yeah. great. <laughs> he seemed to be yeah, yeah. like similar to Mike Sharon. Like just just seemed to be a great misser of chances. Yeah. I think the one the one that would spring to mind for me, and you'd obviously have to put his Norwich sort of career in context. But Dave Phillips, he was a wonderful player for Cov. Um, yeah, lovely. you know, he was a little bit unlucky. He was kind of in and around the '87 FA Cup uh, run, and um, and as a result, any any player who's part of that, you know, by some distance, biggest achievement in Coventry's history, um, is always going to be very fondly remembered. So he was. Yeah, he was he was a very good player, very cultured for for his era as well. He was probably ahead of his time, I thought, a little bit, you know, because he was a very good technical player. Yeah, he he was um, one of the first players I remember pretending to be in the garden, uh, running around with my Norwich shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you done, Pad? Is that? Yeah, I, mean, I think, yeah, I'd have to go away and do some research. I'm not as young as I used to be, so the, the uh, grey well, matter. You are you're perhaps showing your age though with with your picks there, but um, <laughs> yeah. Phil's put forward a fair few decent suggestions. Don't, so don't say got, don't say Bellamy for God's sake, because um, he, he it, said it, he makes he's, Kevin Drinkle look like he had a good career at Coventry. Well, Bellamy, <laughs> he suggested Bellamy, but he's also suggested yeah. two others. Well, and, and then well three others, but I'll I'll give you all of them. Yusuf Safri. So well, he hasn't, but that's a good shout. So what, Darren Huckabee. It, it seems to is be on there, which real... seems to be the one that would just. You know, jump out at me would be Hux. Dion Dublin, um, Ian Butterworth, although I'm not sure. Did he play for Coventry for that long, Pad? I um, I'd have to check, mate. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he was 
one of the front line. I think he was more of a squad type player. Okay. But, um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, absolutely for my part to miss out Hooks and Dion, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I mean, those two, those two were they, as a double act. There was one season. I think Cov got to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup and finished in top ten in the Premier League. Which, which for Coventry at that stage, that was Gordon Strachan's era. Was and and they were, you know, Dion got himself into. It was just before the '98 World Cup. I think he got himself in and around Glenn Hoddle's England squad off the back of quite a superb season. But for him knocking it on for Darren to run through with, with hooks. I mean, he's obviously a legend in these parts, and rightly so. But he was still very raw at Coventry. Um, you know, he wasn't the player he was when he pitched up at. Well, either Man City later, or or certainly at Norwich. You know, he was he was still quite callow and and you know learning his trade. I think it's safe to say, albeit you know you could see the talent was there. So, you know, he's probably not as fondly remembered it for his Cov career. But and 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 unfortunately, it was a time as well where Cov had to cash in. You know, as as has happened down the years, really, when you know the the, the need dictates that they have to sell players to sort of continue you know functioning, really. So. You know his best years were away from Cov, but but Dion Dion might be a good shot. He might rival Day Phillips. Yeah, no, no, now you've thrown that one at me because I mean, obviously Norwich was the tail 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 end of his career, but at Coventry he was captain. You know he was he was he was the Grant Hanley of, of his time. He was just such an inspirational figure, and he you know whether it was knocking balls in the back of the net one end or um, or keeping them out the other end. My my favourite story of him actually was um, such a nice fellow as well. I mean you see him obviously now. In his punditry role, or as I quite like watching him on Homes Under the Hammer on a on a on a, on a morning on the BBC, he was um, how he comes across there. I think is how he how he just genu- genuinely is. I was queuing for tickets once outside Highfield Road ticket office, and, and literally, I don't know why he happened to be at the ground just like a midweek day. There was no game or anything, and came out and just like made a point of having you know five, ten, fifteen minute chat. And as a young impressionable supporter, you just think, well, that. That is amazing. This guy you, you sort of idolise on a on on a pitch on a Saturday or a Tuesday, and um, taking the time to talk to you. I just thought he was just a class act on and off the pitch, Dion. So I've basically talked myself into sort of jettisoning Dave Phillips now. It's definitely Dion. All right. Well, I think we can all settle on Dion. We all know he's a top man, so yeah, we'll um, we'll take that. Next up, we've got James Robinson on Twitter, and he picks up on something that I, I thought. Sky Sports mentioned quite a lot as well last night. He says um, the commentators last night were really kind of hitting it hard on the fact that Daniel Farker and Stuart Webber's contracts uh, were both expiring next summer. James asks, and again, this is probably for you, Pad, but do we think it will be sorted either way this summer to avoid the speculation throughout the whole of next season? Because it would be hard to ignore that particular noise. Yeah, I mean we've we've touched on it myself and the guys on on the pink in the last weeks and and, and sadly until it, it till it is definitively to, to to take the question on resolved one way or the other I think it is going to be there it's just inevitable uh, you know I draw a parallel with a player a player enters the final, a, a coveted player a player who's absolutely key to the success of that team when they reach the last twelve months you do start a panic because obviously. You know the contractual nature of that. You know their value goes down. Now, of course, we're not talking in pure monetary terms in terms of Weber and Farker's influence, but that instability, I think, is is a fair comparison. And you know, ultimately, I think where I would be with that is Weber has, has quite clearly gone on record and said that you know the debt he owes to Delia and Michael that he personally feels not just a to give him the opportunity in the first place, but 
it's easy to forget as we sort of look through the prism of a second, you know, promotion from the championship that that first season was was a very difficult affair. You know, mid, not even mid table. Let's be honest, fourteenth, fifteenth was it below Ipswich? Heaven forbid. Um, there wasn't too many signs of progress really on the pitch. I didn't think in that first season, bar obviously the shining light that was James Madison and. You know, he would have been under pressure. He's talked about that in the past, actually, and and yet he was backed again by Delia and Michael, and 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 they've been you know rewarded as as every Norwich fan has by what they've achieved subsequently. So I think he will he will certainly not walk out the door and not have a succession plan in place because I feel he owes he feels he owes that to to them. I don't think he will go beyond his contract because you know he's he's openly stated when he signed his his previous one that's him done. When that runs out in twenty two, he's out the door and he's off. Um, and even I see in you know recent days he's appeared on Jake Comfrey's podcast and w- was quite candid again as he always is and said there was an offer which would have tripled his wages and and made him allowed him to work at a much higher level last season and he turned that down you know out of the loyalty he feels to Delia and Michael so you know whether Norwich stay up in the Premier League or not he won't be short of offers um, sort of twelve months from now so sadly I think you know we're entering the final twelve months of the Stuart Weber era the the, the interesting one for me though is, is Daniel you know does. Does Daniel see his fortunes entwined that closely that, you know, Stuart goes, he has to go? Or, you know, would he, you know, if Norwich hypothetically do stay up um, next season, would he fancy another opportunity? You know, he talks so warmly about how much this club means to him. And again, he's a, he's openly said, you know, he had offers when they got promoted last time and, and he didn't entertain it because he feels Norwich is the right club for him. And, you know, I think there's more of a chance Daniel Farker stays, but but for me, I think um, you know the reality is it's going to be difficult because you know it is almost symbiotic the relationship those two guys have got, and you know if Stewart goes and a new sporting director is appointed, whether it was an internal appointment or external, they're not going to have that type of relationship with Daniel Farker. And you know, does Daniel then feel quite as he does now about Norwich and about working with Stewart? So. It's a huge concern. It really is. And, and of course, they will try and dead bat it. I'm sure they won't really want to be drawn on it any, any more now um, for the foreseeable. But it's there. It's in the background. We all know it's there. And, you know, ultimately, we're talking earlier on the pod here about they're going into a transfer window and they're going to be sitting down with players and representatives and trying to sell them the club. Well, I think, A, another player, A, another agent are in their, you know, rights to ask, well, are you here, you know, in 12 months' time at, because obviously you're selling me a vision, but, you know, we come here and then, you know, it all changes Two massively key appointments at that club, two different people. And and whatever applies in the summer, that's going to be doubly the case when we get to the January transfer window, when they're only got potentially six months left on their current deal. So those, those are, those are aspects that are going to be, have to be very carefully managed and, you know, whatever the external messaging or not, um, I, I just think internally they have to get it spot on because you don't need. It's going to be tough enough, as we all know, this this coming season. They don't need the distraction of every other week. Is Daniel staying? Is Stuart staying? So, yeah. But my own at this stage, you know, if you put me on the spot, I'd say Stuart Weber will be gone in twelve months' time, and Daniel Farker. Well, it probably depends on what they do next season. I think. I think it's interesting. The whole does he stay? And is he intrinsically linked to Weber? Because I could see, um, I, I could see him going this summer um, off the back of uh, basically storming, you know, riding his horse <laughs> into the sunset. Um, because he's he's peerless, you know, he's he's almost statue worthy, especially if he if he puts the cherry on the top with with another trophy. 
um, which really, if he doesn't, it really scuppers a, a t-shirt design we've got we're working on. Uh, so we could, we could make we could really do with it uh, being being finalised from that point of view. But um, he, I, I think part of it, part of me, if I were him, would be slightly concerned that if he were to stick around, if the year, if if the first year post Weber doesn't go well, you start to have a yeah. Well, was it you or was it the team that Weber built you? Um, almost like a Belichick Brady sort of thing with the Patriots. You know, it, it, when you have these kind of kind of dynasties or these these fantastic kind of twosomes, you, you start to think about you know you know is it the driver is it the car you know th- those sorts of things and um, yeah I I can see from that point of view that es- almost especially if they stay up next year, um, I can see it being a case of the both of them saying do you know what. What a fantastic four years! What a great project! Um, look what we've done. The C, you know, basically underline it, put a put a dot after it. We will never struggle to get another job for the rest of our days at a really decent level because of this four years. What? Why try and extend it in case it, it doesn't continue to go well? So, I can see, I could see that that being how how that plays out. What do you reckon, Pump? Cheers for that, lads. I'm, I'm thoroughly depressed now. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't want to contemplate a future without those two but you know it, as the as James rightly kind of asked on the question it, it is the question on on a lot of people's lips the only kind of crumb I, I kind of cling on to here is the fact that Stuart Weber must be part of of his his own succession planning and, and Paddy you've just alluded to that I, I think we've mentioned it on this podcast before but you know the club put out on their official channel and it was probably a wonderful piece of of marketing but you know come you know Kieran Scott head of recruitment um you know he was actively saying that you know he's got ambitions to to um perform in that kind of role you know the sporting director or director of football role and, and he's been talking to to Weber about it so you'd think maybe you know he might be on the radar and if if Weber is grooming him for that and and exposing him to to certain elements of his job then it might be someone who can come in and take the reins and has a pre-existing relationship you know with with Daniel Farker which is hopefully pretty good because you know Scott was talking you know quite candidly about the fact that you know all three of them you know are having discussions about players all of the time, you know, um, so, you know, you, you, maybe you could see him. You also look at the club and, you know, Neil Adams is, is someone who really well regarded at the football club. I'd really like to ask Neil Adams, you know, what his, his kind of career ambitions are, because, you know, he's been in and around the first team. He's been in and around the academy. He's, he's now looking after youth players. He's a really good football man. Um, I'm not saying that I see him as a, a sporting director of Norwich City Football Club, but I don't know. I've never really thought about him in that role properly before. And, you know, I know he's a, a really good guy with a lot of common sense. So I think, you know, Weber will hopefully be cute about what happens next. And I think, as as you've said, Paddy, he owes it um, to Delia and Michael. Because the one thing, and I, I was thinking about this today, that it's it's their biggest success and it's their biggest downfall as owners and custodians of this football club is that they trust implicitly the people that they put in charge of the football and the business side of, of this club, they trust them implicitly to get on with it. So they have to pick, you know, and they don't meddle. But, you know, we hear that all the time that they just don't meddle. So they have to pick the right people and they've picked the right people to be in charge of our football club at the moment. Um, and you hope that that just happens again and, and this this we can kick on and we can carry on because, you know, I think we're going to look back at, at this this era of Norwich City Football Club and it's 
it's certainly as good as the Lambert era in my eyes, and it's oh, it's definitely it's as, yeah. I think yeah, you, yeah, and I think well, I, I don't know. The Lambert was such a roller coaster that I'm not. I'm the not football's sure. better. The, the football's, the football's better. definitely better. Yeah, I think it. I always kind of judge eras on how it feels. So you know, kind of the Worthington era, the 0304, the playoff final, it felt phenomenal. But actually, you know, his legacy. Gary Dockey kind of rugby tackling someone in front of the Barkley when we lost whatever it was, three, four, one to Burnley. I mean, you know, that all went up in smoke, um, you know, kind of pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but Farker, you know, Farker and Weber's era will be judged, you know, kind of w- up there with all of all of them, you know, the wonderful managers that we've had before. So I'm rambling now and I don't really know what my point is, but, you know, all I'm, I'm really saying is this is going to be a really tough act to follow. And if... If you're not concerned about it, then you probably should be because um, we've got it as good as we've probably ever had it. I don't agree that we should be sending that message out because it's not about being concerned. It's about being aware that the changing of the guard has, has come, but it's time for it'll be time for new heroes. And it's similar to what we were talking about on the pitch with regards to having keeping a bit of stability. We can maybe weather. Um, Weber going and then it being another year until Farker goes. Likewise, we can maybe weather um, Stewart going, but Zoe sticking around for another couple of years. We can maybe, you know, as long as Ben Kensel is there to oversee the fact that even if things don't go so well on the pitch, like look what he has kind of overseen in terms of making sure that everything off the off the pitch is in tip top condition and the business is being run as well as it possibly can to effectively. Uh, be in a fantastic position to take advantage as soon as we're able to get back to the to the top flight you know investing in progressive things and taking calculated risks and um i i so i i feel that if we lost all four of the exec committee in the space of six months then then i'd be worried but if we can keep a couple of them um and 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 you know and plus farker or one of them plus farker and um, and as long as there's kind of a staggered um, succession plan. And that's the other thing. You, you mentioned, you know, being involved in their successors across the board. Um, you feel that that is a very kind of Nor- current Norwich plan. You know, I, I, they've always they've always made a big deal about how they know who the next four candidates are if, if Farker was to leave tomorrow. You know, that they, they know who the next three strikers they'd go after if, if Pookie blew out his knee. Like they're, they're, they're really big on that. And that was a thing that, that Weber made really clear when he kind of made his pitch to the owners uh, a few years ago, that he came in with this list of names. And if this doesn't work, I'll do this. And if they, and like he's really big on, on on kind of contingency plans. So I'm fairly confident that, that they've got an internal and an external successor either in place or a plan to get to one for, for each of them. And, and I'd rather give them the, the benefit of the doubt that because we're working, as Pad says, to a sort of timeline that that, that doesn't look like it's going to move, they are they are likely to be putting making to be able to make some fairly concrete offers in pencil to, to people that you know this is going to become available in six seven months time. We're unlikely to have to do it kind of at a breakneck speed in the middle of a transfer window without any prior notice. Do you see what I mean? Like it's going to be you feel like it's going to be a. a a, a clear decision that we're going to make. It's not going to happen halfway through March and all of a sudden it's who's available. So that that's what gives me confidence that it, it might not be quite the, the, the lurch from left to right. But the thing I'll finish on is the other reason I think it will be okay is this football club is not about winning every game. This football club is not about winning promotion all the time. Now, the fact that we've enjoyed it so much over the last few years 
means that we've we've probably been a little bit spoiled, and it, there there will be a, a an adjustment, and you will have to avoid Twitter sooner after games next season when we've lost than you do at the moment, because you know the 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 people who can't handle not winning every single game will, will be will be upset. You, you, so you do have to dial down your expectations that we're not going. Of course, we're not going to get another ninety points next season. Um, but this football club is about the community. It's about family. It's about um, a passion in the badge, and I think. There's something odd about this season really showing us that, even though we've not been there, and and that that was to me why it isn't about just these four people. They're custodians or five six people. They're custodians of the club, and they've been fantastic custodians of the club. But we we are going to outlast them by decades. So yes, it is a period of unknown when they move on, but we'll be fine because even if we're if we, if we have to go right to the bottom of the roller coaster and come up through League One again, one, we'll make us sure of a better fist of it than those twats down the road. But two, we'll be there and our fa- families will be there and our friends will be there and, and the memories of the ones who aren't there anymore will be there. And Norris City is, is a way bigger club than, than a couple of people, however good a career of three, four years have been of our whatever it is, 100 odd year history. So, you know. We we need to be be positive, I think, and not not get too worried about little blips in the road. Like you know, surely a very influential few figures moving on, and it'll be t- time for new heroes. Well said, that man. Let's leave it there. No more questions. Thanks ever so much for coming on, Paddy. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, any any final thoughts on 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 the season? As as this will be our our penultimate one. Will be our last. Po- this will be our last podcast before the games are wrapped up. Well. Oh. Suffice to say, as you say, boys, it's been the season none of us would want to go through again. But then 10, 15, 20 years, you're talking about the historical sort of importance of the football club when we get past this and in generations to come. This, If they go on and, for me, seal, seal the title, I think this will go down, for all the reasons already stated, uh, as, as a special achievement. And, and that is, you know, huge credit to the two people we've talked about at length, but also the people they've got underneath them. The the club, you know, I've I've covered the club uh, full-time basically since Lambert's first season in the Premier League. So we're getting on for, well, probably a decade now. Um, And I don't think, because obviously I'm in a privileged position and you get to speak to these characters and you you kind of get to see a little bit behind the curtain that it's, it's in the best shape off the pitch it's ever been in those 10 years. I just think, I mean, Colney is, well, I mean, that start of that period, you'd go there and it'd be Port of Cabin Central. Now it's, you know, it's on the way to being probably top 10, top 15 training grounds in the country. Um, by the time they've finished the, the, the complete build of that place, it's um, it's going to be an outstanding legacy. You know, whatever they, they do next season on the pitch and, and seasons to come thereafter, what they've left behind, Farker and Weber, will you know set this club up for however however long you know they get the right custodians in charge and um, and Norwich fans I think appreciate that and that's probably why there is so much palpable concern um, about those two but but ultimately you, you do have to just sit back and think our club is in a great place even in the midst of a pandemic and uh, European Super League circuses and what have you that. You know, Norwich right now, Norwich City right now is um, is geared up to, you know, really go on and establish themselves, I feel, um, you know, certainly in the, the top top end of the English game. And, you know, 
there's a lot of clubs who will look at Norwich now, guarantee it both internally inside the game and probably fans of other clubs and look at Norwich and be envious of what's going on here. Um, and obviously they don't know the ins and outs as we all do and, and what, what the, the DNA is of the club, but they see from afar, you know, a team on the pitch to be proud of. They see what they're doing with young players. They see what they're doing in terms of market values of these players. And, you know, if they delve a little bit deeper, they'll see what's happening with the infrastructure as well and the commitment to the academy. Um, as Ponty said, I think these this is possibly as good as it will get for Norwich uh, this this period. And, and, you know, it's a testament to not just those two, but they've, they've set the tone. But But there's a lot of good people at that football club. And if, if I was a Norwich fan, um, I'd be very confident about the short to mid-term future of my football club. Thanks ever much for your time, Punt, on the old Talky Talk tonight. Uh, we've got one more go at it. Keep your eyes peeled for something very, very exciting coming up um, um, in the not-too-distant future. Um, and enjoy these last three games. Enjoy the fact that we're promoted. And whilst there might be a trophy-shaped cherry on top of this particular cake, we're already going to have a massive big portion of a very fancy cake next year. Mind there you go. Probably won't be the end of cool things that will happen for Along Come Norwich this week. But so um, I think if people stay glued to their socials, they might see something else. I think I might know what that is, boys, but we, we won't reveal it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 100% sure we're allowed to say Good morning, to be honest. <laughs> i said it now. Yeah, you have. Yeah, we, yeah this doesn't actually go out live, punt. Um, <laughs> Do you punt. want me to re-record something, Tom? No, 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 I, I'll sort it. Punt. We have had some fantastic listener questions exclusively for Paddy Davitt's incredible brain. Why don't-